Well, hey. <laughs> You're speaking directly to the <laughs> Didn't see you there. Hey, hey well, surprised, uh, surprised by the microphone? It's like you opened the front door. But, hey. <laughs> Fancy seeing you here. Yeah, wow. So the Enneagram thing happened. Yeah, good. finally. I noticed that it was promoted as a PR. That cracked me up. I got a lot of really good feedback on that one, by the way. Did you? Mm-hmm. It was a PR. It was a PR. Yeah. PR for length. Guess it a PR on this one. I'm like, <laughs> longest podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> Made me feel really good about it. I mean, I don't know if the content was worth, well, worth but apparently, Chris, you're saying people are like, hey, I, I got a little out of a, that. I really had a couple people say that it, it was their favorite podcast that we've done so far. Mm, I wonder what the Ben talking to everyone else talking ratio was in that podcast. About three to one. Maybe we should learn from that. Maybe. This might track in this. We need, we need, we need stats on this. <laughs> yeah, you guys are fired. Just let, me, just let me talk about, you know, things in the future for our, our audience. Things and stuff. Yeah, the reverse is actually true. But today, I think I'm actually the guy that's going to launch out because for the first time in Coyote Podcast history, I thought of the topic. Woo! Whoa. You thought of this? Yeah. He well, did. I mean, not not the idea in life. I just thought about talking about it. Uh. Yeah, I've learned a lot about it, uh, especially over the break. Uh, by the break, I mean not my CrossFit break. Or maybe we should talk about Chase's CrossFit no, break. No, we shouldn't. Let's yeah. bring it back yeah, full should. circle here. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think every episode we record, we have to spend at least two or three minutes talking about Chase's return to CrossFit. I, this I, I is the no- most <laughs> contagious flu that's ever hit the world. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sitting in my home and then going to work and then going back home. Somebody asked me the other day, um, I was talking about going to the gym and they said, man, aren't you worried about getting the flu? I said, no, I'm worried about getting out of shape. (laughs) It was a really rude thing to say. And I I thought I probably shouldn't do that again. But anyway, you distracted us with the flu and it's not going to work. Uh How are we going to get Chase Hammock back into Coyote CrossFit? I don't know. I, I suggested making the topic Chase's return to Coyote, but it looks like we'll have to put that off until next time. <laughs> I think if we offer free razors for, for attendance, that might help out. Mm. Well, mm. one that I draw a line at um, a bet to like shave a mustache. I'm just not, it's not worth it to me. I would love to see you in a mustache, Ben. <laughs> I, mean, I would not. <laughs> I think it would be awesome, but I think I would suddenly be harassed by all law enforcement. <laughs> have you seen? Have you Excuse seen? Excuse me, sir. You can't go within 200 yards of that church. <laughs> I work there. Still. still. <laughs> have you seen Ben, seen ben pre beard though? Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, they yeah, do yeah. pre beard. It's yeah. the smallest head on the planet. <laughs> the beard helps that's why he's always wearing hats yeah that's it man yeah trying to increase sorry i didn't yeah what you're doing is deflecting that's okay it shows your weakness all right (laughs) let's talk about the topic what we're bringing up today is morning routines morning routines so let's spotlight back on chase you chase do you have a morning routine i can tell you what's not in his morning routine is coming to Coyote CrossFit. Oh, nor would it ever be. I would three thirty or die. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a morning. Well, three thirty could be morning for some people. That's true. Yeah, it it's depends true. on how creative you are, according to the research. But please continue, Chase. Uh, yeah, it depends on what I'm doing that morning, honestly. But uh, the standard forever is coffee. I, mean, I sound like a middle-aged white woman, but. 100 <laughs> percent like it's a headache or nothing middle-aged white woman to be martini or something like that that's true that's true <laughs> play mary so you're one of those uh black rifle america guys or what kind mm, of coffee? not on your freaking life really no, ever. He's, he's one of those but first coffee t-shirt guys <laughs> no <laughs> you, have a, you have a coffee pajama and he shirt? drinks out of his enneagram mug <laughs> oh good gracious no <laughs> 
<laughs> what did you say last episode? And then don't, you'd be that guy. Don't be that don't guy. Don't be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first thing you do, you wake up. Uh, obviously, you probably make a stop by the bathroom because, you know, that's just how things work. Actually, I saved that for work. Well, I pee, but I don't I don't poop in the morning. Yeah, I didn't mean that. I oh. just said a stop by the bathroom. That oh, took well, a yeah. weird turn. <laughs> then you get to the uh, – everybody knows that comes after coffee anyway, but – then you get to the sure. coffee pot, you have a, a cup of coffee, then what happens? Uh, well, the way I do it takes a little longer than just, you know, your normal, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, there's a, it's a whole ritual. I yeah, guess. so yeah. It, it takes a little longer. So I do that, and then I go back, and uh, my wife doesn't is not a wor- early riser. So I sit back down and talk to her for a little bit, and then it's time for me to leave. And then I put on the podcast, whichever one I'm feeling that day, and then I get to work. Makes sense. So you you've kind of fallen into a routine, but you're not super intentional about it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's made me somehow marriage is maybe an earlier riser, even though she's sleeping in later than I ever did. Because like when I when I was living by myself, I would just wake up, oh, time for work, and then here we go. But now there's a little there's a little bit more structure than you know. What made me laugh is that that's exactly your uh, attitude because you whistle a lot when you're walking around. Yeah. It's like there's there's just a whole happy world in there. Yeah, <laughs> I was just I'm feeling good. The reason I uh, want to drill down on your routine is because I know mine was very similar for a long time, and I think that's most of uh, the world actually. It's just kind of whatever you naturally start doing when you wake up. That's what you do. You don't think too much about it. But I know you guys have actually spent some time thinking about your routines. I have also been real specific about it, especially in 2019, so I want to bring it up. Let's talk about maybe agreeing or disagreeing with the general premise that people who wake up earlier get more done. Is that That's something that people say, hey, you wake up early, you're going to get more stuff done, you're going to be more productive, you're going to focus on the right things first. Has that been y'all's experience? I th- yeah, I think as long as, um, you know, if uh, – if your schedule and like what you have to do, if it's a, if it's a free enough schedule to push everything into the, into the morning, I guess. Cause like, I know like with, uh, with mine, I do most of, most of the things I have to do have to be done in the afternoon. But, um, but I'm all about, uh, making sure that I arrange things in the morning where I can ease into my day. And I guess I'll go into that whenever, uh, whenever it's my turn to discuss yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really, because Hunter has to read 6,000 books every year. Yes. Yeah, that's and, right. And, uh, you know, there's just not enough hours in the day. So surely some of that's <laughs> happening. This guy has to have a more an intentional morning routine. I think, Actually, I, I think generally uh, people who get up early in the morning get more done and maybe not because they get up early, because they're the type of person who would get up earlier to get stuff done, that they're going to get things done. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's like um, the chicken or the egg conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just because the, the fact that they're willing to do that, they are going to be more productive. But what I've seen is that it's a lot easier to get the stuff done that you need to get done in the morning as opposed to the afternoon. The afternoon is when, you know, there's no telling what could happen. You know, things come up, people might need your help, you know, whatever, you know, life happens in the afternoon, but in the morning is really the only time that you have before people start interrupting you that you can actually get good solid work done if you're trying to do, um, you know, something different than your day-to-day activities. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the conversation. There's a couple of infographics out there, if you just Google this, about um, really famous people or intelligent people and their routines. Have you guys seen that? It shows when they were asleep, when they are awake. Apparently, these people journaled about this kind of stuff. 
but it actually didn't play out that the people who accomplished great things were out of bed really early. It just depended on their particular rhythm. And Chris, you're bringing this up, which I think is wise. Like you've got a, you're in a situation in life right now where getting out of bed early, it, it doesn't really lead to a lot of uh, productive time because you have responsibilities that show up pretty early in your day, which I've been there. Like yeah. I, rem I remember those years. So you would actually be setting yourself up for failure if you just said, Hey, I'm going to be a 5am guy. I'm going to knock this out and get this done because when you get to the time of your day where you have to be very productive, you're low on energy, right? Yeah. Like I have to, like, I can't really, it's, it wouldn't be wise for me to, to get up and just be hard charging right when my, right when my feet hit the, hit the ground. Um, I try to, I try to ease into the day because I know that my biggest, um, you know, physical and emotional investments of the day are going to be later on. So I, one thing that I try to keep the stress levels really, really low in the morning and one thing that stresses me out more than anything is probably uh, running late or that fear of just having to having to scramble. So, um, I mean, I guess I can start with my morning routine right now if we, if we want yeah, to. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd yeah. love to hear it. So, um, I, I typically, I'm gonna, I get up around, uh, around 6 a.m. Uh, every, uh, every day, especially now that, uh, that I coach primarily in the, uh, in the afternoons. Um, I get up at 6 a.m. and uh, get, uh, get showered, uh, I get showered, get dressed, and then I go uh, go make a make a cup of coffee, have a uh, little fifteen minute devotional, and some time to uh, time to prayer, and just kind of get my thoughts together. Like you know, this is what I've got to do today. This is what my I have a mat, basically a master schedule on my computer that just kind of maps out. I have like everything on my schedule in uh, that's in red are things that I cannot move around, and everything else I can kind of piece here and there. So I kind of look and try to strategize what I'm going to do for that day. Then I go start making uh, making breakfast, and um, and uh, eat that. And by that time, it's um, probably around seven fifteen, seven twenty at this point. My uh, my wife has left for work. I've you know said bye to her and helped her get you know get set with whatever she needs. And um, at and at that point, I go wake up, uh, wake up my daughter and um, uh, get her. She. Uh, she doesn't uh, she doesn't eat a whole lot in the morning and they also they give her breakfast at daycare so generally I'll just give her something like uh, like yogurt or or something like that that she can just kind of eat really quick and you know she's uh, let her kind of sit sit in the chair and eat that and while she's doing that I'm getting getting her stuff together I'll typically like I I actually I like to go ahead get all of our bags get them in my get them in my truck before we've even left because I just don't want to have to think about grabbing something and maybe I forget something I go ahead get that done so it's it's That'd done I forget my child <laughs> <laughs> I get to daycare with all the bags and no kid right exactly <laughs> exactly and so about uh, around uh, 7 45 it's time you know br brush her teeth comb her hair get her dress hair in a ponytail we're out the door by eight o'clock and um, get her get her dropped off at, at daycare, which is like a quarter of a mile from our house. And then um, earbuds go in, listening to like Chase said, whatever whatever might be moving the needle for that uh, for that morning. And then I'm uh, you know getting getting ready for work, getting mentally prepared to go uh, interact with people, and you know think about you know what I want to do for training that day and things like that. Most of the time, if I'm listening to something, if it's not training related, it's usually just noise. And I'm kind of thinking about something else more, more than likely. So you fall into that rhythm almost every day. Your weekend is probably a little different, but you fall into that almost every yeah. day. Yeah, and I think I think the just the main key, like if if I were to say my main strategy for my morning routine is just trying to ensure that I am not rushed. 
in the morning. I hate being rushed in the morning. And uh, even when I was coaching early morning classes, my, my first class would be at 5.30, I was getting up at 4 just to make sure that I could have my coffee, eat breakfast, without, and just very easily be able to get out the door with plenty of time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. I hadn't thought about it that way. What? How do you respond to that, Hunter? You kind of have this a similar thing, like I want to make sure I've got some space for the day. Can we ask what's bedtime? Because that kind of tethers into your morning routine. Like, uh, how much sleep true. are you getting? Yeah, it sounds like he goes to bed at five thirty p.m. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, uh, typically uh, bedtime. Bedtime for me is somewhere about, somewhere around ten to ten thirty. And uh, and the the good thing with me is I, I learned uh, I've learned several years ago. I think I've talked about it on the podcast. The before. breathing. I've, yeah. I've learned to go to. I've learned to fall asleep very quickly, like within within five minutes. So it's like it's basically as soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm out. I was going to bring that up. Is you're like going to bed has that same temperature. Like you you're trying to remain calm, mm-hmm. reduce the stress level, focus on rhythmic breathing. So yep. try not to try not to think about things that are just you know too important or anything like that yeah the bookends of your day are kind of covered in calm and that's been an intentional yeah. decision yeah. i heard somebody say not too long ago that your morning routine starts the night before uh when you go to bed so it's like going to bed at a, at a time that you can wake up and actually be productive and, and get up when you need to in the morning so if you're like staying up late your your morning routine's already thrown off because you're not going to be able to, to do it or do it as well because you're tired so let's talk about this. Uh, I don't think we got Hunter's actual routine, did we? Yeah, we I'll tell you what out, mine yeah. is. Um, so pretty much every it, every day is the same. Weekdays and weekends, it just ad- adjust uh, what time I wake up. But I'll wake up, um, <clears throat> get up, uh, take a shower, brush my teeth, get dressed. Um, then I'll go to the kitchen and pour myself a glass of water. It's a 20-ounce cup of water. Um, and I'll put uh, a quarter lemon and uh, a little bit of apple cider vinegar in there, and I'll drink that. Uh, I'll sit down at my kitchen table, and then I have um, my daily devotional, which is my utmost for his highest. I'll I'll do that, and then I'll do I'll read from the Daily Stoic, um, which is just a daily Stoic reading, and then I will uh, write down uh, my affirmations, which is things that I've. Start, I've been writing for a couple of years now, just on a yellow piece of paper, uh, just um, a- affirming the person that I am, what I want to accomplish, stuff like that. And I've added and subtracted things from from that uh, over the past couple of years. But I do that. Then I, I pray. So I'm at the table for probably, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Um, then by this point, I've pretty much finished my water. I'll go uh, put my water up, make myself a cup of coffee. And then I'll go sit down in my um, in my living room at where my coffee table is, where I have my book stacked up. And then, depending on how much time I'll read for, it's a big it, living room, it, big it, coffee table. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole I have a whole method for all that. Like the books I haven't read yet are in my room. Um, the books that I'm currently reading are on my on my coffee table or in my backpack. But I'll read, um, and I try to read from at least two books, even if if I only have ten minutes. I'll try to read a little bit from one, a little bit from the other, because. I want to make sure I'm making progress uh, for both of those. And then if I have more time, then I'll read more, whatever the case may be. And then um, throughout all this, it depends on if the dogs get up or if they're asleep. Um, if they get up, sometimes they're being rowdy. So I'll like let them out, feed them, feed them breakfast, uh, go outside with them for a little bit and then uh, hit the road. But I'm like Chris. I used to, I used to three or four years ago, I would 
hit snooze for as long, especially when I was training a lot and I was a lot more tired. Um, I would hit snooze for as late as I could get up, rush, um, go make my, take shower, make my shake and hit the road. And so now I've enjoyed getting up earlier and kind of easing into it. And even on the weekends, like on Sunday, I used to sleep as late as I could before going to church. And now it's, I'm trying to get up and make sure I can kind of ease into it. Um, I'm not rushed and I'm able to read a little bit before, uh, before I hit the road. So I feel like I've made a little bit, at least a little bit of progress towards, uh, my goals before I leave the house. Yeah. I'm hearing some commonality in the, this kind of my routine as well. Uh, I was the kind of guy that was sleeping until I had to get up and, and get involved with my kids getting to school and helping to cook breakfast and all those sorts of things that, you know, families participate in these days. Um, and I realized that starting the day that way was setting me up for failure. Uh, I had a rough 2018, which I think we've talked about on the podcast already, but I just couldn't establish any consistency and really in anything. And I, it was very much frustrating me to every everything that I was involved with that was important to me. I could either I couldn't get to it, or if I did get to it, I was having to fight back other things to be there. So uh, this really centers around fitness. While we're bringing it up today, is because the first thing that a person, in my opinion, the first thing that a person is going to compromise is their fitness journey. Everything else is going to win over that. Family's going to win. Work's going to win. Obligate other obligations are going to win. And I noticed for me, I was having trouble, like really having to fight to even see Coyote three days a week. And I knew something needed to change because here's the the negative cycle that happens. You're having trouble getting in there. And I think our listeners can resonate with this. You have trouble getting in there. So you're, you're stressed out by the time you hit the class time. Then you have a, a workout that is putting healthy, intentional stress on you. But your body is, Chris, you've talked about this. It just interprets it all as the same thing. Then you perform poorly. It's always going to happen that way. If you're stressed out, running late, you're, you, man, when a person comes in and they've skipped the warm up, I'm like, you should just wait for the next hour yeah. <laughs> because this is going to yeah. go poorly. <laughs> um, then you, uh, you, you underperform, then that frustrates you, which adds even more stress and all these things stack up on you and you begin to lose your zeal for your own personal fitness journey. And I think there's a few things that people can do. At least I'm trying to share today what's been true in my story for the past, you know, 30, almost 40 days. Is that how, how far we into the, we are into the year? Um, I know that cause I've, I'm keeping track of it now because I'm up in the morning, but I made one shift. Hunter, you and I were talking about this yesterday. I made one shift in the time that I'm waking up and almost all of that corrected. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm wanting to bring this up, bring this up because I think so many people overcomplicate the <clears throat> issue. I'm busy, man. Life is stressful. Works this, works that. And a lot of times there's one simple change that you can make that can change everything. What I'm proposing today is waking up earlier is that thing. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there are a lot of problems with that. I mean, I think we need to tease those out just a little bit. Waking up earlier is difficult to do if you're going to bed past midnight because you're up handling your job that late because your day ran away from you, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Have you guys had that experience where your day kind of runs away? There's just no catching up? Oh, yeah. I, I, that, was, that happened to me all the time, and that's what one of the reasons I started trying to wake up earlier because I, I made these – goals that I wanted to do and started figuring out that I wanted to read more and write more and all that type of stuff, but I was never fitting it in. And so I started realizing I need to, if I wait till the afternoon and try to do this stuff, it's not, it's not ever going to get done consistently. I might get it done one or two days a week, but it's not going to be every single day like I want to. And so then I started waking up earlier and I was the same. I, I started waking up an hour earlier and then I started realizing, man, I need, I wish I had more time. So I, then I started waking up two hours earlier 
And then now I'm like, man, I, th- I, might, I might even start getting up even earlier because that morning time is so peaceful and calm and you're able to get so much accomplished and you can get in that flow state so easily where in the afternoon it's just like rushed and chaotic. And um, if you've had, it's just, it's indescribable the feeling that you have when you leave the house and you already know, like I've already made progress towards my long-term goals um, as opposed to just rolling out of bed and rushing out of the, out of the door. Um, and so I think, yeah, waking up early for a lot of people can be, um, can be the, the big like game changer for them. Yeah. That's something that, uh, you know, when you're saying that, it made me just think about something whenever I drop uh, Kennedy off, um, I uh, take her into the, uh, take her into the daycare and they got like the big, um, they get a little eating area right up at the front of the building. And so like I let her down, I sign her in. And as soon as I turn around to leave, right as uh, you're going, as you go out that front hallway, they have the, uh, the clock there where their employees, you know, uh, time in and time out. And, uh, Every, like I'll I'll see the clock and and every time like if I look at it the closer it is to eight o'clock the better I feel like you know like if I look up there and it's like you know oh man I got her here at a, at eight oh nine today I'm doing good days off to a good start yeah, yeah. these little small cues and this is kind of where I was wanting this uh, conversation to go from the very beginning I can't remember where I read this but I know we've talked about it off mic but uh, somebody was talking on a podcast about micro habits I think that's what they called them. I know we've had a lot of habit conversation, but uh, we even had this at the gym this year, right? We, like you don't set resolutions. Set habits. Set habits, set habits yeah. right? So, and this has really been important for me. It's been helpful. But these micro habits are, are ha- helping me a lot get out of bed because really what this comes down to is peeling yourself out of bed. Mm-hmm. Now you can adjust the, like you said the day before, you can go to bed earlier so it's a little easier to get out of bed, but still you have to make a decision when whatever your method is for waking you up. When that sends you a cue, you're either going to get out of bed or not. And there's some things you can do to motivate yourself to get out of bed on a more consistent basis. This micro habit has been really, idea has been really important for me. So we have time for me to share my micro habits. Yes, go ahead. I set up a couple of micro habits for for when I wake up. And one of them starts the night before. I make sure that I set my clothes right by my bed. So I don't have to walk into my closet and make all kinds of decisions about what sort of clothes I'm going to wear, what sort of clothes I'm going to put on, lounge around in for that morning. So that's the first thing. Um, the The night before, I also make sure that the coffee is prepared, so I'm not fumbling around trying to make that happen for 20 minutes. Um, then I've, I have a desk in my home. The first thing I do when I sit down at my desk is sharpen my pencil, even if it doesn't need it. I sharpen my pencil. I've got mm. a mason jar on my desk, and I'm and I'm keeping the shavings. Because that sends me a cue. If the shavings aren't filling up that jar, it's because I haven't sat at the desk. Of course, okay? you have a mason jar. I don't know why. Yeah. But it just, it just <laughs> so, seems appropriate. Yeah, so I got a mason jar uh, putting the shavings in. The other thing is I have one of those little uh, calendars on the wall to my right, like the grandpas have used to have on the dash of their truck. So you just, you know, at the end of the month, you just tear mm-hmm. off that sheet. Yep. But I take a Sharpie marker and I put an X over the date. So now I've got two habits that I've started. Then I always have the books that I'm going to read for that morning on my left-hand side in the order that I read them. So I grab the first book, and um, I'm right now I'm into these daily readers, uh, like kind of like you were saying, the daily. So they're very short. It's like a paragraph. I don't have to spend 40 minutes getting down to the point. I know this is good stuff because an editor has said, of all this guy's writings, these uh, 365 readings are pretty – they're valuable. So I take that one and I read it. The first one is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This guy's a real heady thinker, went through a lot of crap in his life and was killed by the Nazis. Uh, so it's, he's just got an intriguing life. 
Um, so I read a little bit about what he said about life. I set that down. I grabbed the next guy, Henry Nowen, reading his reader. Really troubled man, um, but talks a lot about the issues of the heart, which is important for me to get straight at the beginning of the day because I realize if I don't get my heart straight at the beginning of the day as a grown man, I'm going to damage people because mm. I have responsibility for a lot of people. So I read about my heart for a while, and I set that aside, and then I t- take the pencil that I've sharpened. I go to a page and write the same thing across the top. It's interesting that that's paralleled. I just write the same thing across the top, and then I start um, responding to what I've read. And um, I realized, I've realized over time that there's stuff kind of stored up internally that I don't pay attention to. So those particular habits, what it's created in me is when I'm laying there and that alarm goes off, I don't just think I need to get out of bed. I think, man, if I don't get out of bed, then I don't, I can't flip the switch on the coffee maker. Sorry, many apologies, Chase, for the way I brew coffee. (laughs) I don't flip the switch on the coffee maker. I don't sharpen my pencil. I'm not exiting off the calendar. I'm two pages behind of what I'm supposed to be reading this morning. So all these things stack up as a motivator to kick in that level of yeah, responsibility. But, but like, but it's also like you don't get to do those things. I mean, I bet yeah. like, like yeah. you've probably gotten to the point where like, you know, you enjoy it. Like, you know, it is a, it's an accomplishment to be able to put that X on the calendar because you're just, you're continuing a streak yeah, and you're proud right. of it. That's right. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of pride involved. Yeah. And I think people are missing out on this level of pride. I think that's what you were referencing yeah. earlier, Hunter, is like when you walk out of the door, you're like, man, I've separated myself from the pack yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. And, and people yeah. aren't people aren't giving themselves an opportunity to feel pride. Yeah, yeah. So and then if you couple that with how your class feels, if you're rushed and late and underperform, you're certainly not feeling pride. So I figured out that I, I'm a three thirty workout guy too. I figured out that three thirty is going to happen or not happen based on whether I get out of bed at 5 a.m. Man, that's it's, awesome. It's guaranteed. Talking about pride, the, the first thing, the catalyst for all this for me was when I started making my bed up. And then I remember the first day I made, I made my bed up because I had never made my bed up because I was forced to as a kid. And so I was yeah, like, like, I'm not going to make my bed screw up. Screw you, mom and dad. Yeah. yeah. And so I made my bed up and I just went about my day and I forgot about it. I got back home and I walked in my room. My bed was made that night. I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know, like <laughs> you I forgot about yeah, it. I, I did. And I, and I was like, man, that's really cool. And then all of a sudden I felt prideful. I was like, well, I did that earlier. And then it, that became the very first habit of my morning routine. And so a lot of people talk about, um, if you want to be more productive, make your bed up. And that can be like the catalyst for you starting to develop some personal integrity in yourself and knowing that you can follow through and what you say you're, you're going to do. And then it can be a catalyst to, it's one of Jordan Peterson's uh, 12 rules. Yeah. 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 I, I think it was the number one one, wasn't it? No, number one was stand up straight with your shoulders back. Uh, yeah, the lobster deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the lobster, that's the, our, the, the lobster, lobster rule. <laughs> um, one, We're just one, all a bunch of lobsters. That's right. One thing, I, I just finished reading this book from uh, by Stephen Covey called um, First Things First. Have you have y'all heard of that book? No, I've I know heard his, of it. I know his Matrix. Yeah. He, he also, yeah, the, the four quadrants. He, mm-hmm. That's what I was going to talk about. He also wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which that's a, one of the best books I've ever read too. But um, in, in First Things First, he's basically talking about time management and um, a new way to look at managing time. And he's talking about most people um, spend their time doing things that are um, not furthering them towards their, like, goals or developing themselves personally or career or whatever so he, he created this quadrant and the the top of the quadrant is er, uh um urgent and not urgent mm-hmm. and uh the bottom of the quadrant is uh important and not important and so quadrant one the top left uh is urgent and imp- or 
Yeah, urgent and important. And mm-hmm. so that's things like um, um, emergencies, deadlines, stuff like that. Um, and the top right is not urgent, but important. And that's things like working out, like reading, writing, stuff like that. It's like that's going to further you personally develop you, make you a more developed person, you know, stuff that's going to further you towards your goals, but that's not urgent. So people a lot of times just don't fit it in because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit into their calendar. And he talks about those quadrant two activities are the ones that you have to schedule first or else you're not going to be able to do them. And so that's what I, I was doing without realizing it by saying I need to get up early so I can get this stuff in. Cause that's the only time I'm gonna be able to get it in. And so that's for, for when you're waking up at 5am, you're scheduling time for that quadrant two activity. And for you, that's getting up earlier. Somebody else might have a different schedule. That might be, I need to schedule this one at night or at lunchtime or whatever. But the biggest thing is making sure you schedule that and then work everything, fill everything around it. And then the bottom left is like urgent and not important. And that's like voicemails, emails, stuff like that. And then quadrant four is not urgent and not important, which is like mindless TV, social media, stuff like that. And most people spend their time in the other three quadrants when they need to be spending time in that um, urgent but not important quadrant because that's going to gonna be what furthers them. Yeah, he ta- I think in that book he talks about going up and to the right. You need mm-hmm. to have a, a life that's going up and to the right. Then what I remember from that book uh, that just dominates my life most of the time is the tyranny of the urgent. He said that's where mm-hmm. most people live is the tyranny of the urgent. Uh, it's urgent and who cares whether it's important or unimportant, but it's urgent and it's running my life. And that's what I need to pay attention to. And he said, people are addicted to, uh, that feeling of urgency, that feeling of like, got to hit a deadline, like got to like, like struggling. Like I got to get all this stuff in right now. They're, they're addicted to that feeling and breaking away from that addiction and being able to, um, get your stuff done. Um, that's important well before it becomes ever urgent um an example he gave was he talked about those quadrant two activities as like rocks um and he he gave the example of a a bucket he said if you fill a bucket up with sand which would be the other three quadrant activities and then try to put the rocks in you can't get any rocks in that bucket because it's already full of sand but he said if you put the rocks in first then you're still able to get all the sand in the bucket around the rocks and so he's saying if you if you schedule the important things first things first and, and schedule those things first, then everything else will fit in around it. But if you don't schedule those, then you're not ever going to fit them in into your time. Yeah. It's the same amount of material in the same size container, mm-hmm. but it fits correctly. So the reason this rolls back into fitness, and I want to make sure we're driving this home for our listeners, uh, is because we're talking about developing a lifestyle that is countercultural, And that's actually, unfortunately, I believe, especially in our geographical region, that's cutting against the, the grain. So if you're trying to force the life around you, the people around you that probably don't have your same goal and emphasis to come alongside your life rhythm and agree with it, it's just probably not going to work out. Your boss isn't going to agree. Your schedule is going to agree. The sports teams aren't going to agree. Your goals are going to be cutting against the grain of the natural rhythm of other people. And we feel that tug because a lot of times, especially if we're feeling less motivated, that's our default as well. So in order to be able to put the rocks in before the sand, it's going to require us doing things different than the cultural culture around us, you know, which is, that's a hard decision to make a lot of times. And it means we got to be geared up for the fight, you know, interesting to me. And I want to talk about this for just a moment because, uh, I'll just throw myself under the bus. That'll be better. Right. 
when things are going not well, the first thing that I want to discuss inside the gym, the first thing I wanted to, to discuss is the knot in my scap or how those combination of movements weren't good for me <laughs> or, you know, it, it's all about what, what's going on inside of the gym. That's mm. where the problems are. And you guys pretty consistently fight the battle of saying, Hey, you, you won or lost this when you stopped by and ate at the buffet at lunch today. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you won or lost. Like, I know that you're, maybe you're having difficulty with your elbow and the hinge point and not sending it out. And that, yes, that is a continued problem. But if you're fighting through an all you can eat Friday catfish buffet, I don't know that that's you know how yeah. your hips are opening or closing is really going to make a difference today. Yeah. But we don't want to focus on those. We don't want to focus on the rocks. We want to focus on the sand. That being the problem. Yeah. And and for example, for fitness, the rocks is you're scheduling your the times you're going to go to class a week in advance, and so fitting everything else around that. Like, if your health and fitness is a priority, that needs to be on your calendar whether it's written down or in your head, like I'm going to the three 30 class Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and nothing's going to stop me from going it. And I'll schedule my appointments around it. And the people who are in the gym consistently are the ones that they're in the, and making the most progress are the ones you see them at the same classes at the same days, every single week, day, week in and week out, because they've made it a priority. And you can't argue that, well, they're just not as busy. These are some of the busiest people you'll ever meet. Like they're being incredibly productive outside the gym, but they've made, um, made a priority to get to the gym and that's what one thing we do with our people when they finish the on-ramp is we go ahead and schedule like their first couple of weeks of class then they'll follow up with them and make sure they're coming to those classes because it's critical that you develop that habit because if you don't it's going to be really easy to um, just stop coming and so if you really want if you really want to make your health and fitness priority you need to schedule that the first things first put that block on your calendar uh, before uh, before the week even starts. I agree with that. I think a big part of this conversation, maybe we can land the plane here is becoming more and more effective at setting boundaries in your life, boundaries against your old habits or your defaults, but also boundaries against the people around you. Because if you're surrounded by, let's just say 50 people that you interact with on a daily basis and they're in the wrong quadrant, <laughs> they're participating in the tyranny of the urgent. You've got to be able to set boundaries. And this, this happens in uh, my own life and my own job. Rhythms are different around me, and that's okay, but my rhythm is just as important as the other person's. So if I've been up attacking life since 5 a.m., by the time I get to 3.15, it's time to get in the car and get my mind right to show up at that class. I can't allow things to compromise that, or else all the work that's happened since 5 a.m. has been for that other person and not for me. So mm -hmm. I think you have to develop a little bit of a selfish mentality. If you're gonna work on yourself inside of the gym and your fitness, uh, you have to develop this ability to to throw up boundaries to people around you. I'm not saying in, in an offensive way, but to be able to set that boundary and being unwilling to compromise. You guys have a unique perspective on people that are the people who are making progress, you would say, I guess, are probably really good at those boundaries. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Because um, we've got, you know, we have people that are um, in our gym that have been very, very successful that are also, you know, have very, very important jobs that are extremely busy. And um, the ones, yeah, that, that are successful, the ones that you can talk to and then and they're going to, and they have, they have made their gym time a priority. You know, I mean, I can, I can think of several just off the top of my head that I, that I know, like if you, if you talk to them, you know, they have, they have done, they have done what you talked about. They've made, they've put the rocks in first and they've said, you know, this is my, this is when I'm getting in this week and everything else is going to be scheduled around it. There's people in the gym that are mind boggling busy with all the things they, they got going on and all the things they're juggling. 
And this is one thing I've noticed in my personal life. Like last month was probably the most chaotic, busy month of my life just with, you know, we have three gyms now and I have so much going on, but I'm learning like that I am only um, operating at such a low capacity of what I could possibly be operating at. But it's just figuring out what needs to be done and scheduling that and make sure that gets done. And you end up actually having more time because you're getting the stuff done that you need to get done. And you're not always like scrambling because you're behind. Um, and then just seeing these people who are so productive and they still have make time to come to the gym and be consistent in the gym and make progress at the gym. And they're also got families and business, multiple businesses and all kinds of things going on. Like, how are they getting all this stuff done? Well, you just learn that as you, you get better and you can become more and more productive. And I just think most people are operating at such a low percentage of their uh, potential capacity, if that makes sense. And as you practice and get better and better at managing your time, um, you can you can operate at such higher capacity. And I heard something somebody say one time, like the president of Russia, uh, he works out every single day. Uh, do you think you're busier than the president of Russia? You know what I mean? Like he's, he's literally running like the biggest country in the world and you think you're busier than him. No, you're not like, and he, he makes time to work out. Like if he can make time to work out, you can make time to work out. Yeah. I love that. I love the way the conversation is going. So let's just take a second to say practically someone's listening. They've been convinced over the next, over the last few minutes, what, what are they going to do next? What are these things they can implement to say, all right, I'm going to be this kind of person. Start by making your bed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would start small and, and develop uh, one habit that you can build off of and, and start developing some trust in yourself and, and trust that you if you say you do something you're going to do. And I think um, figuring out what are the big things for you, uh, what, are, what are the rocks that you need to be doing and putting them in place and then sitting down like on a Sunday and figuring out when um, this week do I need to do those? That's something that I did a couple weeks ago is I, I, I've talked before. I wanted to start writing more and, but I just wasn't fitting in my calendar. So I sat down and like, all right, what days and times am, am I going to fit this in? And what days and times am I going to fit these other things in and scheduling that in advance, putting it on your calendar and then putting everything else, everything else around it. So taking that intentional step, I know one of our favorite habit guys talks about condensing your goals down to something you can accomplish in two minutes. Uh, making your bed is definitely one of those things. Mm -hmm. So deciding on those, those small habits that you're going to put in place that get you towards your goals. Uh, Hunter, what you're referencing is actually having goals. <laughs> we talked about that a couple episodes ago, but establishing goals. And I think we could actually challenge people too that waking up uh, earlier for most people, a large percentage of the population, whether it's to get things accomplished faster or to create a more calm approach to your, the rest of your day, probably a really wise step. And then determining when you're uh, fit. And if you're listening to a podcast about fitness, it's obviously important uh, to you to some degree, making sure that you're scheduling that out. I think those are some really, really good steps. Fascinating discussion. Chase, we're going to give you the last word here. Sweet. Outside the box. <laughs> I would say one more thing, <laughs> nah. too, on, on, before we move on, uh, on the waking up earlier. Don't hit the snooze button. Just, yeah, that's just a, tell yourself that'd be a, that'd be a good place yeah. to start. Yeah, like tell yourself you're not going to hit the snooze button and do it. Which is that's something that's really hard for me. Is is I just have developed such a habit of snoozing and snoozing and snoozing. But like that sleep you're getting after you hit the snooze button is not Terrible. quality sleep. It's yeah. not doing anything for you. It's just being lazy and you don't want to get up. And 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 instead of you know if you just get up, it's going to be painful for a couple of minutes. 
but it's so worth it instead of snoozing for 30 minutes and then rushing and being late and not getting anything done. So um, that could be uh, two, two, two good steps for people is don't hit the snooze button and make your bed. And if you, if you develop those two habits, I guarantee you it can start making some huge, huge changes in your life. Agreed. Yeah, no snooze button. In the snooze button. You agree, Chase? Yeah, I don't, I don't snooze anymore. I think he had just hit the snooze button just now on the outside. <laughs> no, the I, was, I was trying to find a specific episode of a podcast that's a good follow-up to your uh, morning routine. It's the first episode of 2017 on the story brand. It's the uh, the worksheet that he uses uh. that lines out your day. It helps explain, like, if you need to wake up earlier because that's, like, how your rhythms work or, like, how early you need to work, wake up, stuff like that. Yeah, that's a productive dude, man, like a prolific author uh, inside of his genre. And also has something like tripled his business revenue in the past three years. He makes a lot of money now. Yeah, a whole lot of money. So, yeah, that's a good guy to follow. I was looking into going to his uh, seminar, and then I saw the price tag. I was like, well, maybe next year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's expensive. But, I, you know, the crazy part about that, uh, not to digress, but I think the people who go to that make their money back inside yeah, of about a I, month. I, I think so, too. I think it'd be worth it. I mean, if, if they're literally sitting down and looking at all of the stuff you're doing and telling you what you can do different, like, that's worth in it. Worth worth the price of admission in and of yeah. itself. If you go, I'm going. It's episode 25. Do they the allow guys in with their mustache? Well, and there's clean shaving guys in there, so <laughs> surely I'm right. more. No. Speaking of awkward facial hair, let's transition to outside the box. Woo-hoo. We're gonna talk about All some right. guys. That, I thought uh, you had gotten fired from that, Ben. Well, yeah. I'm bringing it back. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Cut it out if you need. Ben said, "This is my episode. I came up with the idea. I'm running I'm things." I'm saying it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's uh, we're talking about quarterbacks today, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the, and the reason I talk about awkward facial hair is because I think we just saw in the Super Bowl these guys that just refused to shave towards the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's got to be uncomfortable because your freaking chin you got strap has got to be like pulling everything. Chin strap for the chin strap just seems redundant, <laughs> right? Uh, so we're talking about, is it top three, top 20? What is it? Top, top three. <laughs> 20, top, top 20. Top 20 we're, greatest we're going college quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here for four more hours, that's guys. Right. Yeah. No, so, top three NFL uh, quarterbacks of all time. Top three NFL QBs. This is uh, this is going to be easy for me. All the time I've spent in the NFL, yeah. all those relationships I built. So are we let's go in. A, let's start with Chris. We don't ever start with Chris, do we? Somebody will probably, very rarely. They'll probably correct me on that. So right. let's start with your number three, and then we'll go like build the anticipation. We're we gonna go. Uh, gonna yeah, go let's around go around. There, I think we'll go threes and then twos. Okay. And then ones. Yeah, let's do mm-hmm. it. All right. I think uh, I think my number three might be a little bit uh, against the grain. And I'm going to tell you why. I've got Dan Marino as my number three. Dan Marino. The Laces out, Dan. Laces out. <laughs> <laughs> the Isodonor gloves, man. Oh, my gosh. You must explain that. Yeah. So, you look at uh, – when I look at them, um, you know, what makes a uh, what makes a great quarterback, I think you, you really – you have to look um, – you have to look at championships, yes, but you've also got to look at uh, productivity. Okay? So – you look at um like I look at you know big uh, big stats for quarterbacks you know like wins yards completions completion percentage touchdowns things like that. Dan Marino had nine Pro Bowls. He's fifth all time in wins, yards, completions, and touchdowns. He's fifth in all of those. And now I'm gonna this is why I have him at number three. You take those stats into consideration, and I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three names: Mark Clayton, uh, Mark Duper, and then OJ McDuffie. You guys recognize those names? Those are top three wide receivers. Yeah, none, I, I knew none of them. None of them are Hall of Famers. I think they might have had three Pro Bowls between the three of them. 
So, and the the Dolphins franchise, I mean, you can see it, you know, now they're just, they are notorious for just not building around their best players. And so, Marino, he made, I think he had like 11 playoff appearances. I mean, obviously he never went, he never even went to a Super Bowl, but, um, or ne- and never won a Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, to have, to be able to be that high on, um, you know, in the record books without really having anybody around him. You know, that, that's the reason I have him at number three. I think if you'd have given him any kind of talent, I think he would have had a Super Bowl. If he'd have been in any other franchise, maybe. Yeah, that's uh, – man, that's interesting that um, the the loyalty he had to that team. You know, I'm sure he knew all those things. Yeah. But stuck with him. So, all right, I'll, 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 I'll agree with your case. We'll go thumbs up on that. He, may, he was three. He's not number one. I might no, argue he's not, definitely one. not number one. All right, Hunter, you're number three. Uh, my number three is Peyton Manning. Uh, I think Peyton, for a while, he was up there in the argument of greatest all time. I think while he was still playing, I think you could have made an argument for him, but I just think that um, at the end of the day, um, he was a great numbers quarterback, put up great stats, uh, but he only won two Super Bowls. I, I think that if you're if you're going to make a case for for the being the top quarterback of all time, um, you have to have won a bunch of Super Bowls. Um, he won, I think, four or five MVPs, um, and but he was notoriously uh, played poorly in a lot of really big games um, in the playoffs. He was like that in college too. Yeah. I don't think he ever beat Florida. In he college. didn't. He never beat. He never beat Florida, and he is notorious for the greatest. Uh, what a what just happened face on the sidelines. <laughs> there are some great pictures of him standing on the sidelines, just like looking completely um, beaten. Um, and so I think, um, and then, and then Eli is, is the king of, I have the, I have no idea what's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't even know something wrong. Just yeah. I, th- I think Peyton Manning face is even like a thing. Like probably you could look it up on urban dictionary and I think you could, you could find something on it, but I think Peyton Manning, uh, he might go down as maybe the hardest working, uh, quarterback in history, as far as like watching film and being prepared and, and knowing the plays. And I'm still surprised that he's not coaching at this point, I guess. I think eventually he'll get into it, but um, he's still drinking all that beer he was talking about after the last <laughs> Super Bowl win. Yeah, could yeah. drink a lot of beer. Um, I think I think he had a chance to be the greatest of all time. I just don't think that in crunch time, when it counts in the playoffs, in the Super Bowls, that he he really put up the uh, the the wins to to cement cement his legacy. But I still think he's one of the best, so I give him number three. Number three is still pretty high, high yeah, on the yeah, list of yeah, overall. For sure. mm-hmm. All right, you're number three, Chase. My number three is Steve Young, because the way I looked at my list, uh, I I went about it a little differently. Mine's more so coming from the perspective of like, could this person have played in any era and been successful? And I think if you looked at the way Steve Young still somehow managed to dominate with his feet in the uh, 90s, in an era that that was not happening, unless you were Emmett Smith, <laughs> yeah. then uh, then I think that's something to be reckoned with. And plus, he had a freaking heck of an arm. It was it wasn't Joe Montana's arm. No one's gonna say that, but he could still freaking sling it. It's kind of like the difference between Peyton Manning and Brett Favre. Like Brett Favre can throw it eighty yards, yeah. But if you can still throw it sixty five yards, they're still doing a pretty good job, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think he he has the stats to back it up. I didn't do the uh, the Chris version of it where I wrote them down, <laughs> but like I think he's one. Of, it's top five, if not higher, on a, a quarterback as far as rushing yards or touchdowns, something like that. 
has yeah. the has the passing stats to back it up. He paid I, for it too, man. He did. He got he freaking punished. lit up. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Didn't, he didn't have a. He had a shorter career. Yeah, he did. Of it. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. when you look at guys like Breeze and Brady. He's mm-hmm. one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, I think that's because he he ran so much. He definitely kind of changed changed the way the quarterback yeah. position was played. Yeah, uh, having Jerry Rice to throw to helps a little bit too. That's true. Right. That's true. I mean, but Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison for years. Who's not yeah. Jerry Rice? Yeah, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, Peyton Manning had had Marvin Harrison. Um, yeah, I'm Branch. Who, not Branch. Uh, what is the other eighty-seven? Wayne. Yeah, yeah, Wayne, yeah. Reggie, Reggie Wayne. Wayne. Mm-hmm. So that brings anyway, up anyway. Steve Young. Yeah, I put uh, Manning as my third because what I noticed, I started watching Manning uh, when he was playing for Tennessee because a, a local guy, Will Overstreet from Jackson mm-hmm. Prep played on that team as well so I got I got interested in this team Tennessee the first thing that made me keep watching is I'm like he's not Peyton Manning is not gonna he's not fast enough to make the handoff yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. he just barely made the handoff it looks like t- he's gonna fall down when he he's a statue back there for yeah sure. peewee leagues like he, okay he missed the handoff because the running back's too fast <laughs> for him mm-hmm. uh, but when he got to the NFL something that really intrigued me is I feel like and I think this may – you guys are going to debate this, but he, he changed how the league responded. I mean, he changed defensive strategies for teams every week because – a lot because of the student, but he was the guy that said, I'm going to be commander-in-chief back here, mm-hmm. and I will outthink everybody on this field. Yeah. And it just – it confused people for so long that defenses started playing defense differently, not just with him because other quarterbacks picked this up as well. It caused a lot of uh, coaches, head coaches, to loosen their grip – on the QB position. I mean, all that happened because of Manning, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. He's He was calling plays at the line and calling all balls at the line more than anybody ever has. You, ke- you kept waiting for linebackers to just kind of throw their hands up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, like, <laughs> just do what you he want. guessed right? it again. <laughs> I, th- I think you're right. Defenses had to start disguising their defense a lot more, and defenses started causing a lot more, calling a lot more audibles as well. And um, it just became more of a chess match as opposed to just like, beat it down their throat or something mm-hmm. like that yeah smash mouth football i mean just a lot of strategies had to change because of his presence and um i also respected the way that his career ended i mean even without the super bowl i think a, a lot of these great quarterbacks and a lot of great professional athletes it just ends poorly and uh you know the mannings are kind of notorious for making the world go the way that they need it to go he yeah. has a great great point of conversation <laughs> there um but I did see Manning, uh, Peyton Manning sit on the sidelines with the headset on. He seemed invested in the team's success. He figured out a way to continue playing, and I think he did it with honor. I just – I really respect that part of his career. Yeah, that, his last season, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. His, he, his arm was pretty much shot, and, um, you know, those injuries really caught up with him. But he was still able to, to, to finish with the dub. So, um, you got to give him props to that, even, even if he wasn't the – the main catalyst in, in, in winning. I agree with that. People wanted him to win, even the, the men that were playing with him. That, to me, is a pretty pretty big deal. There's something special about going out on top, too. You win the Super Bowl, retire. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that'd be awesome. John Bell will do that for you. John Elway did that. He won his last two last two Super Bowls and then off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, cool. Man, those are some pretty strong threes. So now we're moving to two. Uh, number, uh, number two, I put Drew Brees. And uh, just because, yeah, yes, yeah, just, just be- because he does cross it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, you know, once again, yeah, I, I looked at it from a standpoint, you know, okay, you know, where where do they sit in terms of uh, in terms of production, and you know, and who was the supporting cast around them? So, I mean, a- after this after this upcoming season, barring something 
catastrophic. He's going to the the passing uh the the book of passing records is going to be the book of Breeze. First in uh he's first in touchdowns, first completions, uh, career completion percentage. He's second in yards. He's only got one Super Bowl. But then you look at uh, you look at his best receivers: uh, Marquise Colson, Jimmy Graham, Lance Moore's best running backs, Mark Ingram and Pierre Thomas. Uh, I mean, Marquise Colson has a very very outside shot of possibly being a Hall of Famer, maybe just because he was so productive for so long. But uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, none of those guys are you would look at and say they're even, you know top 10 and the greatest of all time at their position. So with that kind of productivity and that kind of and that kind of cast with a franchise that was nothing, absolutely nothing until he got there. He's my number 2. Easily the most underrated player in NFL. History. The, the the most underappreciated for yeah. sure. For sure. I loved I mean I'm a huge Saints fan and I love the Saints and I'd love to have Drew Brees higher. I just watched him fold in big situations too often to to mm-hmm. rank him in the top 3. I think if you're going to the greatest all time, um, you have to look at wins when it counts. And I mean, this, I mean, you can argue about the refs all you want, why the Saints lost. I'm so tired of hearing Saints fan, and I'm as big a Saints fan as anybody. I'm so tired of hearing the Saints fan saying we should have been there. Well, you still had a chance. You should have been there, but it wasn't because of the refs. Yeah. You ran the ball. I mean, you passed the ball two out of three downs with two minutes left in the game when all you had to do was run the clock down. Uh, kick a field goal, and then you got the ball in overtime, and you throw a pick. Chase getting hot over here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, like, if if you leave the 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 chance in somebody else's hands, um, if you leave your chance to make the Super Bowl in somebody else's hands, then you if if you lose, it's it's not uh, not somebody else's fault. It's your own fault. And the Saints, they should have won that game. And yeah, the ref, it was probably the worst blown call in history, but they still should have won the game. Yeah. They kicked two field goals when they had all the momentum the first game. They had home, they were playing in probably the biggest home field advantage in the NFL, playing in the Superdome. And you still go to overtime, and then you still get the ball in overtime. The Patriots got the ball in overtime, and they put it away. The Saints get the ball in overtime, and they throw a pick. And I just, I followed the Saints too long. Um, and just have seen that happen over and over and over again. They find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just why I don't th- – I think Drew Brees is definitely top ten, maybe top five, but I don't think he – I could put him in the top three. Um, you done? I'll go on, I'll go on with mine. Um, Apparently, sorry, well, I guess <laughs> I am. <yeah. laughs> you're done, buddy, by the way. <laughs> just uh, like the Saints, you're done. Uh, my number two is Joe Montana. I think uh, Joe Montana was the greatest for a really long time until very recently. I think he's been surpassed. But uh, Joe Montana was like growing up, he was like the Michael Jordan of football. He was like his name was revered. When you talk about NFL quarterbacks, it was like Joe Montana and then everybody else. Um, Four Super Bowl wins. Um, You know, just he won a whole lot of games. Hold on, I had some stats pulled up on him in a second. Three-time Super Bowl MVP, eight-time Pro Bowl. Uh, two-time NFL Most Valuable Player. And, you know, people will argue, well, yeah, he wouldn't have done that without Bill Walsh. He wouldn't have done that without Jerry Rice, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you can say all that type of stuff, but the fact of the matter is he won four Super Bowls um, and he never lost one. Uh, He won big games over and over and over again. Um, He found a way to win. He was the leader of the team. And so I just don't think you can argue, argue that he is up there and I, I think he, he could still – I don't think you could really make a, a argument for him being the greatest of all time anymore. Um, but I think up until a couple of years ago you could have. And I 
talk about changing the way the quarterback's positions played. I think him and Bill Walsh completely changed NFL offenses um, for the better. And uh, so, anyways, I go with Joe Montana, number two. Um, and I'll, I'll make a just a real quick counter uh, counter argument to that because I because I was gonna have Joe Montana on my list, but I mean, you know, this is why you make a, a list like top three quarterbacks. It's very subjective. It's really hard to make an, an objective argument because the lens that I look through, you know, production, who was there, um, you know, who was there supporting cast. Uh, if you look at the if you look at um, those main stats. Joe Montana is in the top 20 in three of those stats. He's 19th in yards, 17th in touchdowns, 15th in uh, completion percentage, but he's got four Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Okay, He also he had three, um, three Hall of Famers just on offense that he was with. He's got Dwight Clark, Jerry Rice, and Roger Craig. And, uh, you know, you also you had Bill, uh, Bill Walsh. You revolutionized how offense was played back then. So, and that was a, that was a big thing that jumped, out, that jumped out at me that I was like, man, I don't know if I want, like, just for me, why I didn't put him in my top three. But with Jerry Rice and uh, Dwight Clark being in the Hall well, of Fame, yeah, if that, they didn't have what, Joe Montana, yeah. it's like, what, what's more important? Or Bill yeah. Walsh would be in the Hall of Fame if he didn't have Joe Montana. Like, you know, you, you can go back and forth on would they be able to do it without those other guys. But the fact of the matter is it did happen. And, yeah, he didn't have the stats that the guys have now, but the game is completely different now than it was then. They're throwing the ball oh, way more. It's it's sure. the, the, the rules are way different now. They're way less um, – there's way less uh, pass interference calls. Um, there's You can't hardly hit the quarterback anymore, so it's a way more quarterback-friendly mm-hmm. league now. And so that's completely changed – the way the game is played. You go back and watch a football game from the eighties. <laughs> it's, it is brutal. Yeah. It is yeah. brutal. It's way different than it is now. And so, um, I, th- I think that the, the stats change, it has a lot to do. And it's, it's the same with any sport, like comparing people from different, from different eras. Like yeah, it's sure. really hard to yeah. compare because the game changes so much. The rules change, the type of players just- change. And so, but I think at the end of the day, like Joe Montana has won four Super Bowls and he's lost zero and that's really hard to argue with. I just, I still, I still lean on the fact that uh, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. <laughs> that's why I look heavily the, the at the Baltimore Ravens defense won a Super Bowl. Cast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, did, here's another part of the argument. We should save this for another episode. But it's like the the Pippin Jordan argument. Like, would they? Would he be if he didn't have? Mm-hmm. You know, if and Kerr, I mean, there's all kinds of guys on yep. those teams that were pretty critical to get the the focus off Jordan long enough. You know. So that'd be a great conversation to have. So, uh, so Montana. After all that, Montana is your answer. He's not number two. Yeah. He's your number two. Joe Montana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine's pretty underwhelming. It was Peyton Manning because he's <laughs> probably the smartest person to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. That's it, plus everything else you guys said. Yeah. yeah. So, it's anyway. it's because his head's so big. He had a really yeah. really <laughs> red forehead. A lot of yeah. wrinkles in that big brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now he's uh, selling the insurance commercials, and they're not even that good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What was that meme of of, of Peyton Manning's head? <laughs> I don't know, but it already sounds funny. <laughs> something about like a, a a planet or something like that. I can't remember what it was. All uh, right, so we ready for my number two? Go for it. Yeah. My number two, actually, we need to probably clarify the rules. My number two is Mox from Varsity Blues. <laughs> <laughs> that was my number two. <laughs> It's Mox, ladies and gentlemen. It's Mox. <laughs> I don't want your life. I mean, come on. So, uh, but I. <laughs> After I thought about it more, I'm like, that's probably not what Hunter's going for here with this outside the box. Uh, but he, he's my, in my heart, he's my number two quarterback of all time. Yeah. I'm going to go with, <laughs> for reasons that no one has mentioned so far, which surprises me, I'm going to go with Brett Favre for my number two. 
because it was exciting to watch. Yeah. You know, stats and all that stuff. I'm like, all right. And the smart guy, Peyton Manning, but man, you were watching Brett Favre. You're like, I have no idea what this guy's about to do. And then you got the whole, speaking of Pippen and Jordan, then you got the whole Madden and Favre dynamic going on, the huge bromance. He's got a big fan behind the mic. This is just awesome. Favre. Yeah, exactly. So to, to watch Brett Favre and this guy speaking of guts, this guy could just. Oh, yeah. I mean, man. Now, the way he ended his career, not as respectable yeah. as we were discussing before. <laughs> uh, but, man, to watch that guy with the Packers, it was like. Yeah, man. If you, if you want to fa factor in toughness, I think he still has the record for most consecutive starts by quarterbacks, like 230-something, I think. Wow. That, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Especially with the way he was getting his bell rung. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Thought, I thought Eli might have broken it. Am I wrong on that? I don't think so. Okay. I did a lot of checking last night. No, <laughs> I think Eli was getting close to breaking it, and then they benched him for a game, and there was like that, – that, Well, start that, over. That cost the coach's job when he benched Eli because there was such an outrage That's in right. New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry to derail you there. Yeah, you, you totally did. But, um, yeah, so Brett Favre, I mean, I'm admittedly, I'm not as much of a stats guy as everybody's uh, sitting here right now. Um, but a huge part, and we can say this has probably changed even since the 80s to become more this way – a huge part of it is entertainment. I mean, the offense being the way that it is right now, a lot of it's really entertaining. Mm -hmm. You know, a 22 belly option on two on two mm -hmm. doesn't really get the views that, and the Super Bowl showed that. I mean, what's like the least watched uh, people staying with it of maybe in yeah. recorded history. Yeah, it was really boring. So it was a boring game and people just turned it off. And uh, if it's not entertaining, people, Brett Favre was just an entertaining quarterback. So I'm going to put him at number two. And he has the greatest draft day picture of all time too. I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield reenacted it too. Go look. Go go. Type in Brett Favre draft day and look it. Look it up. It's it's great. That's <laughs> awesome. He's also selling insurance, by the way. Brett Favre and the and those that those copper uh, copper bracelets sleeves. or sleeves. Yeah. he makes an appearance at Jackson Whole Foods every now and then. No way. Yeah, that'd be worth hanging out there, <laughs> just to tell him to go deep. <laughs> hey man, go deep. No, that's my job. It's, uh, he also makes an appearance at Cody CrossFit every now and then. And he, he runs Burgers and Blues on the side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to have to give me a minute. <laughs> all right, number one, number one. By the way, Drew Brees didn't make my list, and I, I don't know the, all the stats that you're saying, but I just – It's definitely – it's arguable. I don't find sure. him fun to watch. That's the thing I was bringing oh, up. Like, I, know I don't know about that. Just, <laughs> I, can't, I, think, I can't go with you there, buddy. I don't know, but the Saints for me just – golly, they're just such a hard team to the root for. The dude throws like 30 consecutive passes without an incompletion in I know. per game. He's yeah. like, you know, squeaky clean, integrity, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I've just never been on the – I mean, I'm – Good for him for how great he is at what he does, but for some reason I just don't tune in to watch. Yeah, well, sounds like the problems with me though. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my uh, so my number one is uh, Miss Tom Brady. I don't. I don't think any. I don't think yeah. anybody. Right, can should make we clarify? Has anyone not picked Tom Brady as their number one? He no. said apologetic. My number one is not Tom Brady. I, you said I it apologetically. Wow. I knew it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I knew Ben yeah, wasn't because I figured. I figured I was going to uh, ruin it for everybody. But <laughs> yeah, for, but nobody can disagree with you. I mean, no. uh, but here, I mean, I'll just I'll read these. Uh, read down through these uh, stats. Fourteen Pro Bowls. He's Tom freaking Brady. Uh, fourth, uh, it's fourth, not freaking. <laughs> yeah, fourth in completions, fourth in yards, third in touchdowns, six Super Bowls, one supermodel married, and uh, <laughs> yeah. um, his. Uh, and then you look at you know look at supporting cast: his best receivers, Troy, Troy Brown, Wes Welker, 
Danny Amendola. I mean, they went and found these guys off the streets, more or less. And, you know, a bunch, you know, just a bunch of retreads. I and mean, you can throw Gronk in there. He might make the Hall of Fame if he doesn't do anything to embarrass himself any further. <laughs> you didn't say uh, Edelman. Are you considering Edelman pretty no. decent? No, I mean, Edelman, I mean, Edelman's good. But, I mean, as far as just overall production, he's, mm. you know, not quite up there, I don't think. And then, you know, his best, his best running backs, Corey Dillon and Garrett Blunt, as far as, uh, as far as yardage. He did have Randy Moss. For one year. Yeah, and he broke broke a whole bunch of records. <laughs> that shows what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they lost that year. It proves your point, doesn't it? Uh-huh. It takes an Eli Manning to put down Randy Moss, apparently. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> but uh, However that works. So, so yeah, um, I mean, and he's he – it, it, you kind of have that Jordan Pippen thing. Did Brady make Belichick or did Belichick make Brady? Yeah, yeah, you can go back and forth all day on that. But Belichick failed one time already with the Browns, so – yeah. Um, yeah, but everyone fails with the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, so Tom Brady, we, yeah. we got it out Unless there. You're Jim Brown. Yeah, Tom Brady's my number one. I don't even think there's an argument at this point. I mean, he's won nah. six Super Bowls. Uh, he's won like 250 regular season games, something ridiculous like that. I wonder what his postseason uh, numbers are. I'm sure that Chris knows. I don't know, oh, actually. Okay. I do know that he's uh, – Oh, I saw some stat that not long ago about um about how many postseason wins he had and it was it was something insane. I mean, he's been to the Super Bowl nine times. Yeah, he's won six, yeah. which is tied for the most of any franchise in NFL. So no no franchise has won more than six. Tied with the Steelers? Is that who? It I is? think it's the Steelers and maybe uh, Packers. I can't remember. No, who Packers it was. only have like two or three. Uh, have three. There's there's a couple teams that have six and. Uh, and he's tied with them. So, uh, I mean, he's he's Tom Brady's he's the best. He's the greatest. Um, I don't think you can argue that anymore. So, yeah. Agreed. Unless Ben's going to try. No, so you'd say your number one's Brady? Oh, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be a fool to have some other kind of opinion. So, I was just reading some articles as you guys you guys were talking this guy uh puts down on the World Wide Web. Um <laughs> He says, yeah, it brings me no pleasure to declare the debate is over, um, but perhaps Montana fans can take solace in the fact that Brady is a Bay Area kid who grew up going to Candlestick and idolizing number 16. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this guy, he's like in the Montana legacy, uh, but he's definitely surpassed him. Um, I think for me, if I were just like, Tom Brady wouldn't come up if we were just making a list and not debating it like this. I would put Montana at the top because uh, the way that my life was – um, my age at the time that Montana was doing all that stuff, man, I was just riveted with professional football and watching the Montana Rice and stuff. So during my coming of age, it's kind of, it's the same thing as Dave Matthews. Let's bring that back up. <laughs> Is he the best musician? I don't really think we could debate that. Uh, but it just happened to line up for me. So the whole Montana thing, like this guy's just got the mystique for me that Brady doesn't. Uh, but, yeah, there's no doubt. Brady's got to be number one, and uh, I'm sure he'll be relieved to know that I – I have that opinion as he's listening. I'm sure he was waiting. What would Ben say? But, yeah, I would say Brady's number one. It's kind of hard to debate that. But Montana was fun to watch. And I think there's a lot of other guys that fall into that category. Like Roethlisberger, you wouldn't say, oh, my gosh, the greatest quarterback of all time. But, I mean, the guy's gigantic. And he's with the Steelers. It just all makes sense. You know, I mean, fun quarterback to watch to some degree because he looks like an accident waiting to happen. But he's an NFL (laughs) quarterback. My favorite quarterback to watch is Aaron Rodgers. I love watching Aaron Rodgers throw. He just makes it look so effortless. And it, it's, and then uh, Patrick Mahomes, I love watching him too. You know, this uh, this is, brings up Young. I mean, he was after Montana, right? 
and yeah. but everybody respects him. And mm-hmm. then you look at Rodgers, like he was after Favre, you know, yeah. these these franchise quarterbacks, the people that come in next, I mean, they've got a big they've you got get, big shoes to fill. Yeah, I mean you get really, really lucky. I mean, you see what happened after um after Young retired, what happened to the 49ers? Mm-hmm. They had limited success with Jeff Garcia, and then it just went. I was really yeah. surprised that Hunter didn't have uh, Tim Tebow in his top three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what that guy was able to accomplish with that jump pass changed the yeah. game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I, I went uh, looked at the top Super Bowl winners. Steelers have six, Patriots have six, 49ers and Cowboys have five, Giants and Packers have four. Yeah, that's what we were talking about with the Patriots this past year. Like, so the they were already talking about is this guy going to retire? He said no, and they're like, well, if that's the case, then he's going to get a seven within the next year or two. He's going to get, you know, so. Yep. I don't then it'd be like the Richard Petty of NFL. Wow. Because like, especially like, like right Did now they have a lot of youth of on defense. Well, no, because we're yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm a little upset we didn't bring up Bart Starr. Bart Starr. Dude, literally changed the game. Well, I, this is another thing we probably should mention. Um, there were quarterbacks that were incredible quarterbacks. We just they're so far back in history. Yeah. We didn't mention them. You know, there's a well, lot of this. Yeah, guys. The, the, the ball they had to throw back then was like the size of a basketball. Yeah, yeah, with no helium. Yeah, Jackie Sherrill hadn't invented that. Yet. Is that just paper mache? Those are back during the set the nose days. You know, mm-hmm. where like there was no face mask. There was no just yep. get out there and destroy yourself. You know. All right, so I think we pretty much settled the debate. Number one, you can debate your yeah. threes and twos. Number one, Tom Brady. So yep. we get to the uh, portion of the episode that is the recommends, which Hunter usually takes the lead, right? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go first. Uh, so if you're a big fan of CrossFit and CrossFit games like I am, you know that they have fired pretty much all of their uh, media team. So there's not really they don't have the games updates or anything like that, um, and so. Um, Tommy uh, Marquez and uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean Woodland have started their own podcast since they got let go from CrossFit. It's called Talking Elite Fitness. And uh, they've had five episodes so far. But basically, the first episode was really interesting because they kind of walked through the whole process of how they found out they were getting fired and all that stuff. And it kind of makes you mad. Listen to how they were let go. They were basically kind of told they were going to be kept on and then the only reason they kept them is so they could fulfill some contractual obligations with cbs to shoot something and as soon as it was done they were out and um but now they you know they, they have a love for the sport and they want to continue to to talk about it so they've started this podcast and uh basically talking about the changes in the games and then they'll kind of give you a preview of each sanctional um and then they'll recap each sanctional the next week and talk about uh what happened um so if you if you enjoyed the um, update studio and all that stuff that CrossFit used to put out talking about games, athletes and everything. Um, I would check this podcast out cause they're, they're kind of doing that, um, and getting some, you know, in, good insider info. So, um, uh, uh, go check that, uh, podcast out. What in the world is going on at the corporate level inside of CrossFit? Like, oh my gosh, what's happening? So I know that they turned the, the, where they used to shoot the update studio into a, uh, living room and they're shooting, um, videos of, uh, old people performing functional movements in the living room. And I saw them post a video of Roy McKernan <laughs> helping a, an elderly lady get up off a, um, a, a sofa something the other day in one of their videos. And I was thinking, man, Roy McKernan's job's really, <laughs> really taking a really change. Yeah. <laughs> man. From being on CBS to, uh, to, to doing this. But um, 
Yeah, they just change their their shift and focus of what they want to focus on, and they want to get back to CrossFit health. And um, actually, in talking Leap Fitness, they had talked about uh, a couple of different outside entities that talk about buying the CrossFit Games, which um, they pat CrossFit passed on it, which is surprising considering the way things have gone. Um, and they also said that they had, were about to get a huge TV deal for it um, with CBS, and CBS really wanted to invest in CrossFit, and they kind of blew all that up so um i wouldn't be surprised if they just sell that whole branch of the company here pretty soon and i think everybody would would appreciate that for some for some company to come on and who and take over who cares about it and wants the sport to grow because the sport was about to explode and it's been kind of suffered a major setback i mean they got these sanctionals that you can't even live stream and everybody's complaining about the workouts and all the judging and all that type of stuff so yeah. Who knows? I think you just need to go ahead and separate it. Have you know, cut cut that that arm of the company off. Make it let it be its own thing, and then just let CrossFit go back to focus on CrossFit health, and maybe change the name from the CrossFit Games to the Fittest on Earth or something like that. Yeah, that seems smart. What I love about it though is that none of that matters really for the people who are walking into CrossFit boxes. They're there for their own reasons, and CrossFit is helping them get there. Yeah. So all that stuff going on at that level really isn't affecting the average the average Joe. Hey, wait a minute. Looping back. All right, you guys got any recommends? Uh, I'm okay. Yeah, no, I'm gonna pass on recommends. So yeah, no. I do have one. Can I can I mention it? I think I may have mentioned it before. I repeat my podcast mentions often, but I really have just stumbled on this to to really believe in it. Revisionist history. Uh, the guy that wrote David and Goliath and Tipping Point. It's Gladwell, right? Is yeah. his last name? Man, really, really good. Listen, even if you don't like podcasts, you will be hooked. I would start with this one. What's Every, his name? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, and he's like a really quirky looking dude. Is he have um, like, like kind of like big curly hair and yes, glasses? Yeah, yeah, I saw him on a like on a TED talk talking about David and Goliath. Yeah, recently he's, yeah. he's he's got some great books. Yeah, well, the great part about his line of thinking is he takes things that are misunderstood and mm-hmm. explains them in a way and really calls people out for the fact that they're wrong. The latest episode that I listened to was about uh, largest gifts to higher education and how certain schools are just gobbling up all the money. And they have billions and billions and billions of dollars, and they're still accepting gifts. And he talks with the uh, um, president of Stanford, interviews him. They have a phone call. And as soon as the interview's over on the podcast, Gladwell says, am I the only person that thinks this guy is just crazy? This is ridiculous. And he he just goes off. It's this little guy in New York, man, with crazy hair. and He's just (laughs) taking on these giants, and he doesn't care. It's just a cool lesson, so I could recommend it. So how are you going to close this, Chase? smooth sounds.